This episode is brought to you by you. With over 20,000 total downloads and over 100 episodes, the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast may just be the next best thing when it comes to marketing your upcoming offer. Here's the thing. Our audience is just like you. We're passionate, weight-inclusive business owners who are looking to connect with and learn from our peers. Whether you've got an upcoming course launch, a webinar, book club, or whatever else your brilliant brain is creating for other clinicians, come share your offer to like-minded folks on the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. Reach out to us at hello at weightinclusiveinnovators.com with the subject line sponsor, and we'll send you more sponsorship details. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. We are going to dive into a very fun topic today, the difference about running a biz-to-biz business versus a business-to-consumer business. If this means nothing to you right now, that's okay, because when we dive in, you're going to be like, oh, cool. But before we do that, let's check in with Morgan and hear her report from the week. Hello, hello. Hey, Morgan. My voice is almost back to normal, so hopefully it's not going to squeak out on us. What are you reading, eating, playing, obsessing, recommending, and talking shop on this week? I appreciate the little recap. I am currently reading a book called On Our Best Behavior, The Seven Deadly Sins and the Price Women Pay to Be Good. Mm. (laughs) That's a long power title. It is a long power title. Okay, so this is actually a book that we did for book club back in September. And I didn't read it because it was just like dense and heavy and was just not what I needed at the time. But then uh, there were, I think, five of us that were discussing it. And uh, it was a two hour long discussion. And after the discussion, and I was like, oh, shit, I've got to read this book. It's very good. It's very good so far. I'm not even that far into it. And I'm already really, really loving it. And so basically it goes through the seven deadly sins from Christian faith and how it impacts women. I'm very excited to keep going. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it's also hard, like infuriating. It is, but I'm, I'm in a place to, to, I'm in a mental space where I can like challenge it and process it. So I'm excited to go through it. I am eating some chicken stock that I made. My uh, cousin up in Seattle made chicken stock on my last night there, and I woke up to the house smelling absolutely incredible. And so I bought a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store and uh, deboned it. Nope. I uh, took all of the meat off the bones, made stock with the bones, turned the white meat into chicken salad, turned the dark meat into chicken and dumplings. And it's been so fun. It's been like the perfect three-in-one kind of meal. I love that you used all the parts. That's so good. 
Yeah. I can't tell you the last time that I used like a whole freaking chicken. I, I hate pulling meat off the bone. To be honest, it freaks me out. Oh yeah. One of those. Mm. So Hector does it. it. I'm like, let me get in there. Uh, uh, nope. Off. Anyway, <laughs> I am playing by doing a paint by number. I've had two of these sitting in my studio for probably like two years now. I'm pretty sure my mom bought them for me whenever it was. There was some lockdown or I had COVID or know, some something and my mom got them for me. And I was just really needing a creative outlet. And so I pulled it out and started working on it. And now it's just been sitting on my coffee table. And so whenever I like watch my um, reality TV shows in the evening, like Dancing with the Stars, The Amazing Race, The Golden Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. Um, is it so you actually paint versus like stickers? So I have the sticker books too, but this one is actually painting. Fun. I want the sticker one. It seems less messy. I don't like mess. That goes back to my rotisserie chicken thing. Oh yeah. I hate that. Literally it's sitting right by me. It's paint by sticker for anyone who wants to do it. They're very fun. I am obsessing over my Halloween costume. Oh my goodness. What are you being? Okay. So a little bit of backstory. I am going to a wedding this weekend. I'm renting from newly and I got two dresses to pick from. And I ended up going with this like indigo blue tiered dress, whatever. Okay. The other dress is this like three-toned pink strapless high low like princess dress. Basically it's what it looks like. And I was like, okay, well I can just turn that into my Halloween costume. And so I crowdsource on Instagram what I should be. How many Barbies did you get? a lot. And I don't, that's just, I don't want to do Barbie. If the dress was like a perfect match to a very specific Barbie character, I would do it. So I've been like debating on what to do for this dress. And then what I'm being has nothing to do with the dress because I was so frustrated and I was scrolling through Instagram and I got this idea. I'm going to be the Duolingo owl. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) That's awesome. So I got a, I got orange leggings, an oversized green sweater, sweatshirt. I got green, a green eye mask that I can decorate and like wear on my forehead. And I'm going to, my tagline is going to be the language learners that get it, get it. And the ones that don't, don't. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That's so awesome. I'm very excited. I guess when this episode comes out, it will not be Halloween yet. So Surprise! That's what I'm going to be. You'll see it tomorrow. (laughs) I am recommending exploring poetry this fall. I have bought three books of poetry in the last few weeks because that is also kind of like a, well, I'm really good at intellectualizing my emotions. And so I'm trying to find something else to really like feel and embody them. And so instead of reading about like, why this is happening. I'm I got poetry to um just kind of explore them a little more. And so I got uh, Morgan Harper Nichols All Along You Were Blooming. I have Rupi Cowers The Sun and Her Flowers. And then I just got another one in the mail today from someone that I found on TikTok. And the first time I remember very vividly the first time I ever heard her speak her poetry out loud on TikTok, I started crying. And she just released a book last month. And so I'm really excited to go through that. I love that. And then Talking Shop, I know I mentioned this on episode 99. 
but I've officially decided to do an email marketing masterclass. It is coming along so nicely. I don't have a date yet, but I am very excited to put everything together. I've been working on revamping some of the slides and workbooks um, from what my usual template is for Weight Inclusive Business Academy. And it's just, it's brought out a new sense of creativity in me that I'm like just really vibing with. You are so good at creating content and like execution. Thank you. I appreciate that. What about you? What's your report? All right. My report this week is what I'm reading. I really have not felt like reading. It's been interesting. I usually read before bed. So what I've been doing, because I don't want to just go to bed, like not have a transition into my sleep. I'm bringing my Spanish workbook into bed and I'm not doing the activities. I'm just refreshing what I've already learned and kind of re-going through the book to, since I've quote unquote learned it, revisiting it to see if it's stuck. And that's been really empowering because I'm like, oh yeah, I do know this. So that's what I've been reading before bed is my Spanish book. Eating. We made this recipe from Instagram twice in the last week because it was so good. It's like this red bell pepper burrata bruschetta with like honey drizzle and walnuts. It's so fucking good. Mm. I could smash it all day. It's so good. Um, I'll see if we can link it in the show notes because... 10 out of 10 recommend. And it was so easy to, the thing that takes the longest time is you have to roast three heads of garlic and two bell peppers for an hour. But outside mm-hmm. of that, you just throw everything in the blender, make the spread for the bruschetta, and then you top it with the burrata and then the other things. It is. Um, that sounds good. My play has been with people. There's been a lot of folks visiting in the last month and even in the last week, Um, which has been nice to kind of be a tourist and take them around Denver into the mountains. So last weekend, even though I was sick, I was like, Matt, we're going to do it. We like went to Boulder and scrambled the flat iron again, which is really fun. And we went climbing outside. Like the weather is just so nice here right now. And being able to do that with people we love has been so good. So that's like my play. My obsession is I'm a, well, I'm obsessing about my dogs Um, it is so fun having two and just, I keep having these existential thoughts of like, oh my God, these two furry creatures just live with us and do what we tell them they're going to do for the day. And their only job is to like, be cute. And it's what a great job. It's fun having two, even though it's more work because they play and it's so cute. Like they'll get into bed when we're waking up in the morning and play on top of us which my partner doesn't like, but I think it's so cute. And I'm like, look at them, look at them, look how cute they are. And so I'm just like obsessed with them right now, um, today and every day. And my, I'm recommending, I am recommending finding your tolerance for how you're staying informed and engaged with what's going on in Israel, Palestine, Gaza. I just... We've been having a lot of conversations in my team and through different people in professional settings and in my personal life of the struggle between wanting to look away to take care of yourself, but also not wanting to look away because this needs to be witnessed. And so my recommendation for you is to figure out like your tolerance of how you can stay informed and honor that. Like, I don't think you need to torture yourself just to do that. Um, but I do think it's important that we all stay engaged and do what we can to, to know and support and show up for this time. And my talking shop is, I've been talking a lot about Q 
Q4, which is hilarious because the first month of Q4 is already almost gone. And I'm just like, Q4. But I was talking to one of my business coaching clients this morning and she used the words like, Q4 is going to be about tying loose ends and wrapping up. And I'm like, that is exactly what Q4 is from a seasonal perspective too, of like the year is winding down. There's going to be holidays coming. And what if Q4 isn't a growth period and it's just like wrapping things up, executing, following through and getting ready to gear up for 2024. So I'm, I'm talking shop about that a lot. And I love this time of year because the new year is especially a new start where when I think of new starts, one of the things I get excited about is data. And um, I love being able to look at a last whole year of data for 2023 and knowing like 2024 is going to be the first year of data for my company where I'm not bringing in revenue and client work because I stopped in May this year. It's going to be the first time that we have a full-time practice manager at some point in the year. And like all these things we're going to have data for. And I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. Like a whole year of data. So yeah, I'm nerding out on 2024 and thoughts about it. I love all of that. Yes. It's a hodgepodge. Good. Hodgepodge, but it's so good. Are you ready to dive in to today's episode? Let's do it. So this conversation started a couple of weeks ago when we were together because I had made a comment on one of the episodes that I wanted to charge what I was worth. And you asked a really, you asked a question that kind of sparked this like now idea why we're talking about this of I run a B2B business where most, where it's a little bit easier to charge more. B2B meaning business to business. Thank you. Appreciate that. Where a B2B business to business, you're I think it's a little easier to like quote unquote charge what you're worth. I think there's still like you can't just like frivolously charge anything, but it is a little bit easier. Whereas most of the people listening or most of the folks in our space that are running a private practice are running a B2C or a business to consumer model. And it is going to be a lot harder to charge what you think you're worth just strictly based on how that model is set up in terms of a business isn't paying you a individual person is. Absolutely. And we're going to dive into all of the details of how that looks different later. But the biggest piece of why this came up is just talking about wanting to help people make more money and grow their businesses and we want everybody to get paid what they're worth. Like I think about the work we do as clinicians and how we help. And it sucks that there's a cap, that there's a cap on what people are willing to pay, what insurance is willing to pay. Those numbers are not determined by what I actually think people are worth. It's just a systemic issue that we can fight against, right? Like we can, if we're taking insurance, we can ask for fee increases and we can do these things and make cases and justifications. Um, And we also want to name the thing that's not named in a lot of advertising spaces when people are saying the sexy things of like, create a digital course and you'll make tens of thousands of dollars in two months. When usually one, the person selling that to you is doing a biz to biz offering where they're a business offering to your business to create a course, but your course is going to go to a consumer. So that is still a harder sell than them selling to you. By the way, they're probably making a lot of money because it's easier to sell biz to biz because you can see how it's going to have return on investment in your business. So 
we just see a lot of that marketing that we don't love of how things are going to instantly make you rich because you're doing this different thing and we're going to teach you how to do it. Like, mm -mm. we, we want to call that out and we want to talk about the differences and why maybe that could work in a biz to biz setting and how we're not saying it's limitations from a biz to consumer setting to discourage you at all. We just want you to be fully informed of expectations so that you're not disappointed and so that you can make decisions on data. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's so many different types of biz to biz versus biz to consumer models that I also am really excited to dive into this because I think there's some things that are specific for our industry too, where most of us probably have some sort of values alignment with the type of care we're providing and also the types of services we're providing. And like you mentioned, like not wanting to be icky bro marketing type people and make false promises and stuff like that. And so that it's also going to be incorporated into our conversation today. And we're first obviously going to start with some definitions that we did not come up with. This is from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce for what biz to biz and biz to consumer means. So B2B stands for business to business, and it refers to a transaction that takes place from one business to another. So in our space, the examples of that could be consulting, coaching, design work, courses related to business, masterclass related to business, virtual assistant work, speaking engagements that are on entrepreneurship, business, leadership. Those kind of things are directly serving businesses and having a business revolved around that. And then B2C stands for business to consumer. And this is a transaction that takes place between a business and an individual as the end customer. And so examples of this in our space are going to be running a private practice, seeing clients through private practice, running groups specific for clients, potentially doing speaking engagements related to clinical work. And then we'll put corporate wellness in there as well, since you're going to be talking to customers, not necessarily the business. Yeah. Where it could change is let's say you are pitching yourself as a consultant to a startup where you're going to somehow serve them in a corporate wellness way to their whole company. That could be a different biz, like biz to biz situation versus biz to consumer, because you're selling what you're offering to the business and the business is going to provide it to their consumer or clients, which could be their employees, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a little weedy. And it is a little weedy. I think an easy way to to try to simplify this is that you just need to look at who's paying you. If it's coming from an LLC, it's business or like a PLLC, S Corp, whatever. If it's coming from a individual, B2C. So we're telling you this because we know folks are always like, okay. Love one-on-one -on -one work, love my private practice. I love this specific service I'm offering. But one day I might want to switch income streams or have different offerings. Also, as we learn how to do something, we can often sell that. So for example, what's happened for me is through learning how to have a group practice that's quote-unquote successful, and I say quote-unquote because everybody gets to decide what that is, I've been able to sell how to do that through my consulting and so it's really normal after you do something for a while that you're like, huh, who can I help do this? And so we want you to be fully informed on what that means to diversify services in different spaces, whether you do something offering to businesses, if you offer more to consumers, kind of tapering expectations and helping you 
know how it's going to impact you bringing in money, revenue, and all that stuff. And there's a lot of differences. One of the biggest things you hear us hitting on is earning potential. Because again, we just want to challenge the bro-y marketing that we always hear of do X and you'll make X money. And that's just not always true in every setting. So we got some differences for you to keep in mind as you're thinking about biz to biz versus biz to consumer. Yes, there are six main categories that we're going to talk about of things to keep in mind. Um, And this, you know, you can use these six things to determine whether you want to do business to business or business to consumer. Um, This is a way to kind of think through if you've only ever done business to consumer and you're trying to break into the biz to biz piece of like, there's just a couple things that might need to be done a little differently. And so recognizing that. And so use this however it serves you. But if anything, it's just helpful to know the difference between this because there are so many differences between running a B2B offering versus a B2C offering. So the six main things that we're going to, six main categories that we're going to talk about are your target audience, your sales process, your regulatory considerations, marketing approach, pricing structure, and your brand messaging. Okay. So we're starting with target audience. In simple terms, biz to biz means you're targeting other businesses with what you're selling and B2C is you're targeting individual consumers. I think this one's pretty obvious, but what I want you to think about is like, if you are somebody with a biz to consumer offering, your website has all of that. If you're offering a biz to biz later on, you need a whole new audience. Your current Mm -hmm. audience is not going to be the people you're selling to because they're consumers. And that's one of the reasons why we want to talk about target audience is it's not as simple as I'm just going to throw this on my website where consumers are mostly looking at this to sell as a service and expect to get ROI or clients to book with you for a biz to biz situation. That's one of the things that I get asked most frequently as a web designer. Is it someone who is running a private practice and they're wanting to start other revenue streams such as speaking, consulting? Supervision. We didn't even talk about supervision. We didn't even talk about supervision. Yeah, supervision, all of that. And they're like, do I need a whole new website? And my recommendation to them is like, in the beginning, until you have like, some solid traction with it. No, you can probably get away with building just a separate page on your website. I definitely wouldn't put your B2B services on the same page as your B2C services because that can get really confusing. But I agree like that it needs to eventually be probably, it eventually needs to be built out as its own if it's becoming that strong of a revenue source for you. Breach. That's what I did with Values Driven Group eventually. Like I did have a page on my group practice website. Nobody ever went to it unless I sent them to it because Mm -hmm. the way I was getting people to find me was word of mouth because people I was working with was talking, which I appreciate. And then I had a page to send them to, but nobody was finding it organically. Yeah. Which is also, there's power in that too. All right, let's talk about sales process. So the sales process for a B2B company is usually longer. There's going to be a little bit more of a complex sales cycle. Um, I think for a couple different reasons, there's different tiers that you can offer pricing-wise depending on um, you know, no one-on-one time with you, such as through webinars and courses, up to a little bit of one-on-one time with you through like masterclasses or groups, up to 
direct one-on-one work together. And some people might start with just a course or a webinar and kind of move their way up. Um, That's one sales cycle that might be there. Um, But really, the sales process with business to business is all about building relationships and addressing specific needs for their business. And I also want to make a little note here because I'm thinking through this a little bit more and I said it depends on who's paying you for this. A clinician might be the person paying you, another clinician in this space, but chances are if the clinician's paying you for a business-related service, that money is coming out of their business. And so even though whenever we say like target audiences to other businesses, like you're still talking to someone, a individual person in the business, it's just that that money is probably coming from the business. And so they might not be quite as like attached to it because they're investing in their business. Exactly. The service being provided is to support their business, even if it's something like supervision, because supervision is to help people continue to do excellent client work, Mm -hmm. you know, have a container for their own stuff. And that continues to help their business grow in kind of a less obvious way as having a business coach, right? And then the sales process for B2C, there's usually a much shorter sales cycle with this. Um, This sale with the B2C is usually going to be more focused on branding. So them feeling connected to a brand, their emotions, as well as pricing, because as a consumer, you're probably a little bit more conscious of the money that you're spending. Right. Because it's your money that you're getting from employment or whatever way of taking care of yourself and personal finance that you have access to resources. And so that tends to be more of like, this is investing in me and there's not an ROI of my business growing. It's just me growing as an individual. Yeah. And so this is something that is really helpful to keep in mind too, because usually with B2B, there is going to be this like longer term relationship with someone um, because you're supporting them through just a longer period of time. Whereas with business to consumer, um, I'm thinking specifically seeing clients or running, you know, an eight-week group or something like that, that they are going to be drawn to that work based on how you as a clinician are showing up online, how you are able to validate the consumer that you have some idea of what's going on, that you can provide support to them and are able to provide services to them at a price that feels good to them. And then there's regulatory considerations. So B2B, business to business, can involve compliance with industry-specific regulations. So this is related to actually having a business, having contracts, um, and legal frameworks that are for biz-to-biz type stuff. So an example of one of those contracts could be like a non-disclosure agreement, which is industry standard, if that's applicable, of anything I learned about your business, you're not like it's protected. So for example, I was going, I was thinking about buying another group practice for a while. And the next step would have been to sign a uh, NDA, a non-disclosure agreement so that they could show me the numbers. And that's proprietary information that I can't share that I'm just getting an insight on because I might be buying this company. Um, There's also a agreement contract to engage. That's another industry standard contract that you can do. Um, which PS probably going to start doing those next year for my business coaching because it's kind of a full consent of what people can expect. And that's a pretty standard practice for biz to biz type stuff for biz to consumer. 
This, for our specific industry, requires attention to consumer protection laws. So think about good faith estimate. Think about like a paperwork that talks about consent to receive treatment. Like those things are all specific to an industry of serving a consumer. There's laws, advertising regulations of not being able to sell people's data, which is also part of biz to biz, but, and privacy considerations like HIPAA. There's also licensure requirements in our setting for biz to consumer. So for example, if you're a clinician, you probably have to have a certain type of license to be able to serve the population you want to serve and do your work versus in a biz to biz setting, you technically to be in a consultant or a coach, you do not need a degree or anything. It helps. Like I got my master's in organizational leadership because I knew it was going to support my business coaching, but I don't have a business coach certification. I have lived experience. So that's not as pressing in the biz to biz space. You just have to prove you're valuable to people's businesses. The fourth thing we're going to talk about is the marketing approach for a biz to biz business. This is all about demonstrating the value that you are going to bring and exploring the return on investment that the business is going to get for the service or the offering that you are providing. So typically with marketing this type of uh, offering, a biz to biz offering, you're going to be doing a lot of content marketing. So a lot of content creation, building content that is showcasing you as a specialist, as someone who knows their shit, uh, showcasing what some of this content looks like, a little insider scoop, as well as a lot of case studies and testimonials. So other businesses can see the result of the businesses that you've worked with. One important part about this is this is where we kind of see the extreme bro marketing. So there's kind of a line here where this the selling, the pricing or the marketing approach you see is like this person built a course in two days and made $10,000 overnight. See the return on investment of taking my course for your business? Like it can get icky fast, but that's how that's playing out there. Yeah. And it, that's... I think this, I mean, kind of goes hand in hand with like the sales piece too, but like you don't have to be an icky bro marketer. You can be relational, you can be uh, conversational and still be able to provide information such as specific content education and case studies and testimonials um, that are more focused on like the support and the emotions and not just the data and the numbers. But in the business, data, of course, is important. And I think there is an expectation for a biz to biz that returning ROI means financial. And it's kind of like, yeah, duh. Like, why do we have to use that to pull people in to give them unrealistic expectations of their earning potential when it's like, no, duh, working with me is going to help you increase your revenue. Like this is part of the biz to biz Mm -hmm. situation, but people kind of go into the bro-y area. And then the marketing approach for business to consumer, very similar to the sales piece, there is more of an appeal to the emotions. There is more focus on the branding identity, how you're showing up, not just in the actual like tangible colors, fonts, logos piece of it, but the brand identity of the language you're using, the folks you're reaching out or the folks that you're trying to attract into your business, um, the values of your brand, things like that. And then the marketing approach here is really about building connection with the consumer because you're wanting, and I would say this is specific to our industry, you're wanting to make sure that y'all are both the right fit for each other. And then we have pricing structure. So 
When it's biz to biz, usually a business is paying for the service from a business account because it's a business expense. And so usually it's not a standardized price always, maybe for certain offerings that you have, but there's a lot of custom work that comes with the business as you get a lay of the land and the situation and what you can offer someone. That's one of the cool things about being a consultant, which a lot of the time is a biz to biz offering is you can pitch them like what your hourly rate is, what they can expect for working with you wise, giving different size packages and things, and then giving tangible KPIs and outcomes that they can expect. And that is a custom quote versus in a biz to consumer, people are usually paying for their personal account. So again, it's money they've been paid after taxes. That's their own personal money that's being worked into their own personal budget. It's usually more standardized pricing and transparent as in somebody can go to your website and know exactly what they're going to pay to see you or if they can use their insurance or not. And there's not a lot of variation between the service you offer because it kind of is what it is. And then lastly, we're going to talk about brand messaging. So in a business to business scenario, this really emphasizes solving specific challenges that businesses face. It's talking about efficiency within the business, productivity within the business, and the long-term benefits of what the business is getting. So the example that I can bring into this is web design. This is highlighting a specific business challenge, such as having an online presence where potential clients can find them. And this is a place that they, the business, the private practice can put things on their website So instead of having to recreate the wheel and like email people the same piece of information every time, they can now send them directly to their website or already answer those questions directly on their website. It's more productive because when you have a solid brand identity and a website, you're not having to go in and like tinker with things. Like you, the services that I provide, this B2B service is I'm setting up a website for them. And like, that is a like set up and set it and forget it kind of passive marketing stream, which means that the business is getting more time back, which means that they are able to put that time towards other things and be more productive. And then long-term benefits is having a solid online presence is going to attract more people to your business, like full stop. And then for business to consumer, The brand messaging is much more focused on the personal needs of the consumer, what their desires are, what their aspirations are, and really being in touch with the emotions of the consumer, which I think can be a little tricky, especially working in the mental health space, right? Because there's there's brand messaging that like preys on people's emotions, but there's also brand messaging that just validates that like you're going through something hard. I'm here to support you through that. I'm literally trained to support you through this. And if you feel like I'm a good fit, then that's how we're going to go. But there has to be emotional awareness. There has to be attention to the person on the other side, what they need, what they want out of life, what their goals are. And that's actually a, a piece that I go through with all my clients when we do branding is like in your target audience, like what are, what are their hopes and dreams? What are their goals? And how are you able to be a piece to support them to, to work towards that? That's what I think is cool about the example you gave of your brand design and strategy work being a biz to biz service. But the trickle down from that is the person who received that service, the service they're offering that they're 
advertising on the website is the biz to consumer offering. So it's cool, like biz to biz supports B2C. And I would say that's pretty true in your line of work as well, right? Of like you getting to support someone and growing a group practice is going to then impact their B2C relationship with their employee. And that employee is then going to be impacted in their B2C relationship with clients. Which is my why. Because the trickle-down effect is me getting to serve more clients struggling with eating disorders, disordered relationship with food and body image on a bigger scale, which has always been my goal and why I'm exactly where I need to be. Same girl saying, that's why I do branding and web design, because the more support that I can provide to businesses to have a stronger online presence means that the more people will know that weight inclusive care is an option for them. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review, share with the business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.